you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn in them to Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to continue uh, in Proverbs uh, for the next few weeks. Now it's a little bit different. We've been kind of going uh, pretty close to chapter by chapter, and we kind of are this time too, but not really. Um, now we're talking about the individual Proverbs. That was all kind of a, that was all introduction. <laughs> now we're into it. Uh, so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the individual themes that Proverbs addresses today being, um, being speech. All right, so Proverbs 10. Now I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I want you to do something. I want you to listen to all of it. It's the word of God, right? But I want you to listen especially for the instructions about speech that are here. Okay, so just pay careful attention to it all, but pay a very special attention to, um, to, to, to his words about speech here. So Proverbs 10, I'm going to read all 32 verses. It says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest will bring his son's shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever works, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Whoever heeds instructions is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he has no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be cut short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, 
but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Let's, let's talk to the Lord. Father, we come before you today and we ask even that something supernatural happens here, many things supernatural. And we, we, we just know that every time your spirit works in our hearts, that's not natural. <laughs> that's not from our, like, from this natural world. That is your spirit. So Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in our hearts. We pray that your spirit would use these words and your word to speak life to us. And Lord, at the end of the day, we, like, like, like Bert prayed, we want our words to be pleasing in your sight, acceptable in your hearing. So Lord, I pray, we pray that you would, that you would completely transform us by your word and by, the, by what Christ has done on the cross, by the hope that we have in the gospel. And you would transform even, even the way our tongues work, especially the way our tongues work. So we would be a people who, who speak in a way that brings life. Not the way that brings ruin and death. So Father, for the next 35 minutes or so, I pray that you would work here among us in our hearts. Edify, encourage, convict, and transform us by your grace and for your glory. And it is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we pray together. Amen. All right, so we talk. We're, we're alone in creation as those who talk, as it were, like in this world. Animals don't talk. You know, we, uh, we, we love animated movies that have, well, you might not love these at all, but people love animated movies. And a lot of, most of those anima- animated movies have animals that talk, right? They, they talk. You know, you think of Lion King or Zootopia or Finding Nemo or Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, Shrek. They all have talking beasts. So apparently we like talking animals. We like it that animals talk. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that's so. I, I read a little bit about it this week. Cartoon producers often favor animals because they're the best of both worlds, right? They're cute and furry and huggable, maybe lovable. Um, But the thing that brings them to life is they speak. It's the speaking that makes them really animate. They make the animals more like people. They, you know, even in the drawings, the round eyes and, you know, they walk upright and expressive faces and all of that. Even a shark can look like a person, but the big endearing feature is that they talk. And I think at the end of the day, we like talking animals because they're like us. We talk. We're talkers. We are communicating beings. And we relate best with communicating beings. And you know why we are that way? That's why they're that way. You know why we're that way? Why we are communicating beings? Why we talk? Because our God is a communicating God and we are made in the image of God. And so God speaks, we speak. And I think that's why we're alone in this world of those who use words. You know, I, I know animals have ways of communicating. I'm, I'm, you know, I know some of the calls that you use to watch them, um, you know, that kind of thing. But they don't talk. We, we talk. 
They don't use words, we, we use, we alone use words. Because our God is a communicating God and we're made in his image. We're the only ones who do that. Now, although we are made in the image of God, we don't always speak the way that God speaks. Most of our problems in life, and I mean all of life, right? In families, in society, in churches, is because we don't speak the way that God speaks. There is a thing that happened, that happened to us a long time ago. It's called the fall. And in that fall, the fall of man, the sin of man, speech has become utterly distorted. The first lie that was uttered by man was because he had fallen and he was now sinful and his speech showed it. Before that, his speech only showed like what an image bearer's speech should show. But then it became distorted and corrupted because man had fallen. It became perverted. That's a word used a lot here, perverted. It's used in Proverbs a lot and it means it's corrupted or distorted from its original course. It was fallen speech and fallen speech distorts the image of God. I was in an Airbnb in Lincoln last week um, and in the bathroom of that Airbnb, the host had put one of those, I think it's a makeup mirror. I don't know what those are for really, but it's one of those round mirrors. On one side, you can just clearly see it's just a normal mirror. You see your reflection clearly. On the other side, depending on how close you stand, and I, I, I don't know why I do this, but if you go really close, like your, your, your features get really small and your head gets really big. You know what I mean? Like your, your features are scrunched up. And if you back up, it's the opposite effect, right? That's, yeah, okay, that's what I do. And then, you know, funniest thing, uh, I, I had planned to talk about that, and then uh, Maya bought one yesterday, for, and so there's now one in my house. So if, if you ever want to try this out, you can, you can try this out in our bathroom. Come by for dinner, and, and anyway. So it distorts it, you know? Like, the, the mirror distorted it. You could say it... it, 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 it contorts the image. Like, that's not what I look like. It's not what I'm supposed to look like. And that's what sin has done to our speech. Sinful people do not talk like their creator anymore. Not the way that we're designed to. The way that, you know, he created us with tongues and those tongues were meant to reflect his glory. And we no longer talk like that. Our speech has become perverted or distorted. And enter Proverbs, right? Proverbs addresses this fallen, perverted, ungodlike way we speak over 90 times. And, I, and you know, I think, I, I did a, a little survey, but I, I think that Proverbs addresses speech way more than sex, money, or work combined. And more than all the other themes that it addresses. Speech. And it basically comes at us in two ways. It shows us what fallen speech sounds like and what it does. You know, like it shows us like what it, what it sounds like what it, what, and, and the results of that. The harm and the destruction it causes. And it shows us what our speech as people who are made in the image of God and made righteous by the blood of Christ should be like. It gives both sides. You see, Christ has redeemed our lips and our tongues and our mouths. It's true about everyone who is in Christ by faith. Proverbs teaches us 
how that speech ought to sound. And we should read the Proverbs and, and hear this this morning with a desire to see our lips come into conformity of the work of Christ in us. So that our speech would no longer distort the image we bear, but that we talk as God talks. That our speech reflects him. What I plan to do this morning is highlight, mostly from Proverbs 10, but some from other Proverbs, four, four ways speech can be ungodlike. Four ways our speech can become perverted. And some of the results of those ways along with that. And then I want to show what Christ has done to restore that image. What the speech of the righteous sounds like and does. And I hope this will be challenging for you. I hope it will be as challenging for you as it was for me as I study this. I, I, I pray it will be just as convicting. It was convicting. I can see so many ways that my speech still sounds distorted. So it's so helpful for me. And I hope it will be for you as well. So let's see the four ways. Just four. There's more here, but four. The, unrighteous, the way the unrighteous use their speech. First, Proverbs makes it plain that the lips of the unrighteous are foolish. I could literally give you dozens of examples of this from Proverbs. It's such a theme in this book. But just note Proverbs 10, 13, and 14. On the lips of whom, him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wisely acknowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin near. So the way that we... The foolish way we speak. Foolish. When we speak foolishly, we speak as those who are unrighteous. Foolishness means behavior that lacks good sense. Behavior that does not advance one's good. That's, that's what foolishness is. Like you can see that in that proverb, right? Foolishness that brings a rod to your back. Foolishness that brings ruin. And so it, it brings, doesn't advance one's good. It's foolish because it, it does the opposite of that. It goes against what's good for us. So lots of examples of foolishness in the Bible. You can take your pick, but Solomon, the guy who wrote this Proverbs, had a son who ended up demonstrating this really, really well. He was an anointed king after Solomon died and the people came to him asking that, they would, that, that, that the king would ease their burdens. So Solomon is now, uh, I mean, Rehoboam is now the uh, king and under Solomon, there's a big burden of taxes. They were building a temple. There's a lot of work going on, a burden of work. And uh, it, was, it was a heavy burden. So the people came to Rehoboam and said, hey, would you ease our burden? Would you ease our burden? Um, so they came to this new king, Rehoboam. They made their request. Now he could have answered wisely in a way that would have advanced good, right? He could have. There's an opportunity there. And Rehoboam had these older, wiser advisors who told him to say yes to the people's request. Answer them softly, winsomely, lovingly. And if you answer them that way, kindly, you will endear their heart forever. And, and just absolutely establish your kingdom. It will be good for you, Rehoboam. But he also had these younger, more foolish advisors who told him that he should let the people know what's what. Hey, dude, you are king. You need to tell them who's boss. And his foolish, perverted speech, he went with the younger guys, you know, got up there and said something like, my, my pinky will be stronger than my father's thigh. You know, like, I'm going to make it worse for you. 
And that foolish perverted speech ended up splitting the kingdom. He used foolish words and foolish words do not advance good. On the contrary, they bring ruin near, always. Foolish speech brings ruin near. Oh, how we need to hear that and heed that. Our mouths can bring ruin near. Ruin to our families. Ruin to our relationships. Ruin to our marriages. Ruin to our reputation. Ruin to our churches. I mean, foolish mouths, I believe, are the greatest danger facing the church today. Foolish mouths. Foolish mouths that... They, they use gossip and use slander and break confidence and all of those things. Foolish mouths, greatest danger facing the church today. And it's probably the greatest danger facing most of your relationships. And just think of the ruin that foolish mouths bring to our society, our culture, towns, cities, nations. By contrast, wisdom builds up Wisdom maintains peace. Wisdom restores good things. When we use our mouths rightly, the way that God uses words and the way that God has intended for us to use words, there's great blessing. Unrighteous lips are foolish. That's the first point. The second point is that unrighteous lips lie. And I addressed this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't spend much time on here, but uh, on this one. But uh, when we covered Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, Lying lips is one of the seven things that God hates. Unrighteous lips lie. Our lips are not made for lying, friends. It's not made for framing the truth in a special way so as to deceive. Our lips, as as people made in the image of God, our lips are designed by God to speak what is true. God is true. He is truth. And our lips are made Designed by God to speak that forth. Every time we lie, we go against our design. Fallen, unrighteous lips lie. The next point is that unrighteous lips are unrestrained. Look at Proverbs ten nineteen. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And also look at, uh, you don't have to flip there. I think we'll display it, but Proverbs 29, 11, it says, the fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Unrighteous lips are quick to just say what comes to mind. You know what I mean? Like it it popped in there, it should pop out. (laughs) With little thought about how this might affect the person hearing the words. I feel it, or I think it, or I just want to say it. So I should just let it out. That's being authentic, right? No, what it is, is it's being unwise. It's using your lips in a way that they weren't designed to function. Your lips were designed to speak wisdom. And here's the thing. Most of what pops into your head is not wisdom. And so it shouldn't be spoken. A wise man holds it back. A wise man holds it back. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we just don't speak. In fact... There's wisdom in, you know, the Proverbs teach that there's, there's wisdom in not speaking, but it can be great folly to not speak as well. Not speaking when you should speak can be profoundly unwise. Silence is not necessarily wisdom. 
Your silence could be rooted in some personality trait like shyness or even something sinful in your heart like cowardice or the desire to please people, a fear of man. So it doesn't mean just not talking. I mean, I'm, I'm up here talking. <laughs> I, I was reminded this morning of a, um, I have this reoccurring, reoccurring dream. I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I have this reoccurring dream, nightmare of like uh, getting up to speak and not having anything to say. Okay, I, th- I think it's akin to like that dream that you have about like going to the market unclothed or something. And, you know, but I don't know where I'm going with this. But anyway, like my, if, if I got up here and I didn't have anything to say, that wouldn't be wisdom, right? Wouldn't be wisdom. Like sometimes we have to speak. So that's not what it means. It doesn't mean just not talking. What this does mean is the one who is righteous will strive to hold back what doesn't need to be said and say what does need to be said. If wisdom is doing the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. Do you remember that definition I gave you early in Proverbs? If wisdom is doing the appropriate thing at the appropriate time, then wise speech is saying the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. And often that means not saying something or not saying a lot of things. As Proverbs 15.23 says, a word in season, how good it is. The fourth and final trait that I want to highlight this morning, again, there's more but than these four, but the fourth one that I want to highlight this morning is that unrighteous lips are harsh. Look with me at verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And then if you want to flip over to this one, it's really important to mark it, I think. Proverbs 15, 1 and verse 4 So verse one of of Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then skip down to verse four, a gentle tongue, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So friends, it's not just content that matters when it comes to righteous and unrighteous lips. It's also the manner and the timing. A harsh word stirs up anger. That harsh word might be true on its face. Like you might say a true thing harshly. You can do that. And I think most of our speech that is harsh is also true. But it's still not the way that God intended our mouths to work. And you know, aside from the fact that the scriptures teach us really clearly, you know, one way we know this is true, (laughs) that we know that harshness is not God's way. I mean, just consider how gentle God has been with you, right? I mean, imagine how it would look like, what it would look like, how it would be for you if God dealt with you the way that you often deal with others in your life. Let's say your wife or your husband or your child, or your coworkers, or your friends, your neighbors, your enemies. Sometimes we think that harshness can be excused if the content is true. If the person really messed up, we can be harsh because we're not making it up. But again, what if God dealt with you the same way? By that same standard. I don't know about you, I'm glad he doesn't. 
Righteous lips are gentle. Harsh words are a mark of unrighteous lips. Friends, consider these four traits of the unrighteous lips. Unrighteous lips are foolish, while righteous lips are wise. Unrighteous lips advance one's ruin, not one's good. Unrighteous lips lie, while righteous lips speak truth, as God is true. Unrighteous lips are unrestrained, while wise lips say the right thing at the right time, the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. And unrighteous lips are harsh, while righteous mouths are gentle, speaking words that are fitting and timely and helpful. We must let this land on us, I think, if it's to do any good in our lives. Consider just those four traits and ponder whether those describe your lips. Last week, are your lips foolish or deceitful or unrestrained or harsh? Or are they wise and truthful and guarded and gentle? And while you're considering that, I want to point out something. Even in the way that I'm framing this and the way I think Proverbs frames this, much of Proverbs 10 frames this, I want to point out that these are descriptions, descriptions of the righteous. You know, um, people with a Midwestern accent, often say that they don't have an accent. You know what I mean? Have you heard people say that? Like, um, and I have to share with you that people from the South find that kind of offensive, kind of prideful. Um, as if the way we speak in the Midwest is the right way to speak and everyone else has an accent. I don't have an accent. I just speak English. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> but the reality is our accents give us away, don't they? They, they give us away. Uh, they disclose where we come from, where we grew up. I can usually tell if someone's from Georgia or from Texas or from New Jersey or New England or England or Australia or Ireland just by the way they talk. The, the way that we talk gives us away. Now, I know you can fake it. Some people can fake an accent. I, I can turn my Southern on and off <laughs> if I want to. And I usually do it just to embarrass my children, you know, going through a drive through you know, um, Y'all got any bacon you can slap on that sandwich? <laughs> They're all rolling their eyes. But, but the way we talk points to where we're from and where we live, where we grew up, what our upbringing looks like, right? I mean, that influences the way that we speak. And I think that bears out in Proverbs 10. Look at verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. I don't want you to read this wrongly. In, in, in this way, it's like a lot of different Proverbs. You can read this wrongly. It's not saying that if you say y'all, you're from Georgia. It's saying that you say y'all because you're from Georgia. Do you see the difference? It does not say that my mouth is made righteous or I am made righteous by being a fountain of life. It says that my mouth if my mouth is a fountain of life, it is because I'm righteous. And if I am righteous, my mouth will be a fountain of life. Do you see? It's a crucial, crucial dif d distinction that we need to make. It's describing the way the righteous use their mouths. You should not view Proverbs as a, as a, as a plan for how to become righteous. That will make this book quite discouraging to you. Quite unhelpful. 
Rather, you should view Proverbs as a guide for how the righteous are to live. That's what this teaches us. And in this case, how the righteous are to speak. So let me just show you this, okay, um, from in light of the gospel, okay? So Ephesians 4, why don't you flip over with me? Ephesians 4, I'm going to read verses 17 through 24. And I want you to see the connection here between the gospel, what Christ has done, the work of Christ, and the way that that affects the way that we live, okay? So Ephesians 4, 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you have learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I mean, you see how that works? Paul is not teaching us to walk in righteousness in order to be righteous or to put off your old ways so that you can become righteous before God. He is teaching us that we should no longer walk as people that we once were, as the people we once were, because that's no longer who we are. Now we're made righteous by the blood of Christ, so now we should walk in righteousness. We have not learned Christ the old way, the way that our natural old man was. If we have learned Christ, he's redeemed us by his blood. He's made us righteous based on the righteousness of Christ alone. The only way a person is made right before God is by the work of Christ, dying in our place, bearing our sin debt, paying for it in full, So that when God looks at us, he does not see our sin. He sees his son. Isn't that good? That's how a person is made righteous. If God looks at you as as righteous, he's looking at you through the blood of Christ. And in that, he has taught us a new way. And so therefore, as a result, the way that we walk and talk should be different. That's why we put off our old self, not to become righteous, but because God has made us righteous. Our new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we should live like that. The Bible, the book of Proverbs is not mere moralism. It's not a book of moralisms. Proverbs is a guide to help us live out this transformed life that we have in Christ. This is transformation. God has transformed us by Christ and through Christ and because of Christ, we're different and we should live like that. And Proverbs teaches us how. That's how you should read Proverbs, friends. Through Christ, through the gospel, through the hope that we have in Jesus. Now we are in Christ and the old descriptors, you know, foolishness, deceitfulness, Unrestrained lips, harsh words. It's not us anymore. 
That's not you anymore. Not if you're in Jesus. Those aren't the ways we've learned Christ. Proverbs is not teaching us how to become righteous. They're teaching us how to live as righteous. These Proverbs are teaching us how to live and walk and talk as those who are righteous. And the righteous speak in a certain way. We have an accent. We have an accent. And you know what? That accent should give us away. People should know. Christ has done a work in him. The grace of his speech, the kindness, the truthfulness. I know what region he's from. Calvary. When I read Proverbs 10, 11, and I feel conviction because I know my mouth is not always a fountain of life. I admit to you, it's not. I know that thirsty are not always able to come to me and quench their thirst with the life-giving words from Christ that come out of me. My words are not always wise and true and guarded and gentle. When I feel that conviction, you know what I should do? I should run back to Calvary. Run back to the gospel. Run back to Christ. I mean, run there for my forgiveness, right? This is where, that's why I'm forgiven, right? First uh, John 2, 1. I have an advocate in heaven. If anyone sins, this is sin when we speak this way. I have an advocate with with God in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. We run to Jesus when we read a proverb about the way that the wicked speak and we see ourselves in that. We make a beeline to the cross and we run there for help and power and enablement to talk rightly, not as one whose tongue has been distorted and perverted by sin, but as one who has been redeemed by the work of Christ. We run to the cross. We trust that God through the work of the cross and the enabling spirit that he's given us because of the cross will transform us. Listen to how Paul talks about talk, okay? In Ephesians 4.29. I read, I read the first part. This is after that, after the passage that I just read a moment ago. And it's dealing very specifically with my mouth as a Christian. So Ephesians 4.29, Paul said, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good or fitting for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That's gospel talk. <laughs> That's what the gospel has done in us that my words would give grace to those who hear. <laughs> that my words would be a fountain of life. If I, if I talk like that, it's the work of God in me. It's the gospel at work. If I talk like that, it's because I'm righteous, made so by the grace of God in Christ. This is the way the righteous speak. Now, friends, the Lord has a lot of work to do in me in this area, as I've already said. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he likely has a lot of work to do in you, too. He has a lot of work to do in us. Here's my encouragement. May we be eager to see him do that work. May we... Desire 
that the Lord have his way with our mouths, our tongues and our lips, that we may talk like those who have been redeemed and transformed like Jesus, that the mirror that we look at accurately reflects the image with no distortion. Consider the good that that will bring to your life. Consider the good that that will bring to your relationships. Consider the good that that will bring to your marriage and to your parenting, to to your children, the good that it will bring to your children and your parents and your friends. Consider the good that it will do in your church. Consider the way that it will show Jesus in you to those who need Jesus. You know who comes and drinks at a fountain of life? Those who need life. Our words should be that, right? A fountain of life so that thirsty could come and drink. Is your accent that of God's grace? Do you have that draw of wisdom? Can others hear the twang? of gentleness when you speak and of truth? Is your speech restrained? Or can others hear the softness in the way that you speak so gently? Oh, may the Lord have his way with us for our good and for the good of his name, for the glory of his name here and around the world. Our speech is important to God. The way you talk is. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I, I, I love your word. I love that you use words. I love that you sent the word to us. I love that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love that in him there were words of eternal life. There are words of eternal life. And I love the way that your spirit shapes us, Lord, even shapes our words. Lord, I pray that you would, you would do that work in our hearts today, that we would, we would humbly seek your face to change so that our words are a fountain of life. They don't bring death. They don't bring curse. They don't bring rot or ruin, but life and grace and hope and peace and joy. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.